You're listening to number 8080 of The Green Elephant in the Room. In the next two podcast episodes, numbers 80 and 81, we're going to take a deep dive into the most dangerous organization in the history of humanity. Not only does this group want to blatantly tear down many of our most cherished institutions, but they also want to cripple democracy itself. And who is this shadowy group bent on so much chaos? The Republican Party of the United States. The Republican Party is the most dangerous organization in world history, hands down. We are reluctant to even call it a party. After all, it's headed by a mob boss who's engaged in a massive organized crime ring. In episode one of this two-part series, we're going to examine this organization's radical political irrationality and recklessness that is tearing the country apart and impacting many other movements and governments globally. In episode two, we look at how Republicans are adversely impacting humanity's gravest threat, the climate and extinction crises, and how they have decided not to support any constructive action, but instead, to actively undermine them. This is your host, Eco Rico. In the United States, the conservative Republican Party is out of control, yet they hold wildly incompatible views on major issues impacting the country. The Republicans are oblivious to any established understanding of facts, evidence, and science. When one party moves this far from the mainstream, it makes it nearly impossible for the political system to deal constructively with the country's challenges. The Republican Party is internally divided, filled with self-serving carnival barkers and beholden to harsh positions that appall most voters. The staggering irrationality of their politics is even worse than the public thinks. The party has yielded to extremists in its base and today is cruel, creepy, and corrupt. Which suggests just one explanation for the Republicans not only staying the course, but also doubling down on issues unpopular with about everyone other than their base. It's like they have a death wish. Within the space of just a few years, one of the two major American political parties has morphed into a thuggish, survival of the fittest outfit, where whoever appears the strongest gets to rule the party. Republicans used to have big policy ideas, not anymore. Normally, the prospect of running the show in Congress would energize a party to promote its policy agenda. But this isn't a normal party. Immigration, healthcare, education, the economy, there's a lot of heated rhetoric that isn't backed up by any policy ideas. They don't even pretend to have views on any policies that would lead to legislation intended to solve the nation's problems. Voter suppression becomes their only viable strategic option. Republicans have become a party largely focused on symbolism not substance. That's easiest to see in their crusade against woke Democrats, which is almost entirely symbolic. 
The real enthusiasm among House Republicans is in its efforts to punish Democrats, as well as groups and individuals they don't like. How and when did such a sweeping transformation take place? There are several related factors, but the kickoff point would have been the election of our first African-American president, Barack Obama. The Fox News coverage of Obama for eight years had radicalized previously normal Republicans into something totally different. Fox News reporting of the Obama years has primed the pump for conspiracy theorists to come in and platform unimaginable deceptions and slanders. We'll discuss Fox News more in a moment. Finally was the advent of social media, which blew the doors off the media landscape and acted as an unfiltered fire hose of misinformation and lies. Lies, damn lies, and social media. There's a reason this country is so deeply polarized. Social media is rewriting the central nervous system of humanity by algorithmically connecting informing, persuading, mobilizing, and yes, entertaining us. It's been doing so for years with clear, measurable, and profound implications for our democracies, our economies, and our public health. And it's time we woke up to these realities. Consider that Facebook placed a disproportionate amount of emphasis on anger in its algorithm. As a result, stories that make you angry were more likely to pop up in your Facebook feed. The problem with our current moment is not that we are more divided than ever. It's not that we get angry about important issues. It's that so much of our division springs from lies that spread unchecked on social media. Yet, even before all these digital distractions and deceptions, you could say we've always been a nation divided. Division, in some ways, is the essence of democracy. But what has become so distressing in our current moment is the cynical and widespread manipulation of those divisions with the use of outright deceit. Truth itself, something we used to be able to agree on, has been undermined tremendously. And finally, the man himself, Donald J. Trump. Oceans of ink have already been spilled on the enormous impact he's had on politics and the Republican Party. I look forward to say in 10 or 20 years and speculate how we will look back on this era and what Trump's legacy will be. It is undeniable that he has created a seismic shift in politics, not only in the US, but globally. We would like to state up front that Trump and the Republicans' greatest appeal is the entertainment value. It's been estimated that the press has given him over $5 billion worth of free advertising since 2016. Love him or hate him, he has been living inside our heads for years. And he has in turn spawned people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Matt Goetz, George Santos, and many others who are now at the outermost edge of the Republican Party. As segments of the public have headed toward extremes, 
So has our politics. The Republican Party's driving force is to become ever more radical to appease their core voters. The only place left is to veer into fascism, which is where they're headed. Question, why is the country so polarized? Could it be that the Republican Party has a death wish? Because it's the radicalization of the Republican base, turbocharged by Donald Trump, that is the tail wagging the dog. For all Republicans' apparent power, party leaders at the local, state, and federal level seem unable to stand up to the wrathful Trump and his loyal voters who push them to such extremes. The Republican Party has poisoned people's minds. No one trusts our institutions. No one trusts Congress. No one trusts experts. Even in some cases, their own family doctor. There are now 20 states where Republicans have veto-proof supermajority legislatures. Virtually unchecked power. And they choose to spend their time on such burning, base-pleasing issues as outlawing drag shows and medical care for transgender people and looking for new ways to restrict votes in Democratic political districts. These new Republicans have a death wish to take everything down with them in a death spiral of our democracy, our civilization, and most crucially, the planetary cycles and systems that govern life on Earth which suggests just one explanation for Republicans not only staying the course, but also doubling down on issues unpopular with just about everyone other than their base. What follows is a sampling of the lunacy that's driving this party. If you follow the news, you may have heard some of these outrages, but we guarantee you that much of what you will hear is downright shocking. Let's start with the Republicans' drastic transformation of the American educational system. Over the past three academic years, legislatures in 35 states proposed 283 laws that either sought to restrict what teachers can say about race, racism, and American history, to change how instructors can teach about gender identity, sexuality, and LGBTQ issues, to boost parents' rights over their children's education, to limit students' access to school libraries and books, to circumscribe the rights of transgender students, and to promote what legislators defined as patriotic education. Of these, 64 bills have been signed into law across 25 states, whose populations together add up to roughly 42% of all Americans. This recent flurry of legislation has created a minefield for educators trying to figure out how to teach topics such as slavery, Jim Crow laws, or the Holocaust. One proposed law in South Carolina, for instance, prohibits teachers from discussing any topic that creates discomfort, guilt, or anguish on the basis of political belief. Meanwhile, in New Hampshire, a conservative moms group is offering up a $500 bounty to catch teachers who break the state law prohibiting certain teachings about racism and sexism. 
As a teacher myself, I can tell you it really puts educators in an impossible situation. In a contemporary high school or middle school, even earlier in elementary school, these sort of topics arise. These new burdens make it a terrifying time for school administrators, teachers, and librarians. And what is the number one law that has been passed in this spate of bills? Bans against trans students at public schools from participating in sports programs consistent with their gender identity. One study showed that this burning issue that had to be legally addressed impacts at most about a dozen students nationally. 12 kids. Don't you think these children are having a difficult enough time as it is? Continuing with education, both school and public libraries have been severely impacted by this movement. Many states pass new regulations that grants parents access to public school library catalogs and the right to see a list of all materials and books borrowed by their child. It gives the public the right to review public school library materials. Many educational professionals are scared to death. Some libraries have taken every book off their shelves and will have to wait until these self-appointed parent groups decide as to whether each individual book has offensive material. As a side note, in Utah, more than 100 Bible-toting parents and children rallied at Utah's capital to protest a school district decision to remove the Bible from the middle and elementary school libraries in the wake of a right-wing backed sensitive materials law passed two years ago. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to figure out where this could lead. Just this week, Russia released a historical school book praising the Ukraine invasion. The book features sections on Russian soldiers saving peace in Ukraine, which is repeatedly labeled as a Nazi state. Don't think this couldn't happen in the US? It already is. I have a question. Have these parents ever heard of the internet? Virtually every 11 or 12 year old has access to anything you could imagine right in their pocket. Here is why the right-wing media is in a moral panic over crime. Despite the sensationalist headlines, crime is still trending downward. The right is in a 90s throwback, full-fledged moral panic about crime. It is true that after dropping to record lows, the murder rate has increased. However, despite the vast majority of murders being gun-related, the levels of gun worship in this country have become almost pathological. When you consider, thanks to the right-wing supported gun industry, the U.S. has by far the greatest number of guns per capita than any country in the world. 120 guns per 100 people. Astonishing. Despite the panicky headlines, crime is still on the decline overall and is nowhere near the 1990s levels when violent crime last peaked in the United States. In reality, nonviolent crime has been trending downward for decades. The real reasons crime rates increase or decline is complicated 
and due to multiple factors such as the economy, poverty, and police-community relations. But I suppose it's much more fun to shout about the crime-ridden hellscape that Joe Biden's America has become. Conservatives continue to try to rile up their base about crime because it's worked in the past. If Republicans and conservatives can convince enough nice white people that they're only minutes away from being a victim of a crime and only the Republicans can save them, as history has shown, that's an electoral advantage. One of the greatest Republican victories recently has been the severe restriction of abortion rights in about half of the states, which each of those states trying to become even more radical in their war against women. Just days after the Supreme Court's Dobb decision overturned Roe, there was an incident that demonstrated the injustice of this ruling. Caitlin Bernard is an Indiana doctor who has long been a champion of reproductive rights. Dr. Bernard performed an abortion on a patient who had to travel to Indiana from Ohio to get her procedure, a 10-year-old girl, the victim of rape. This act alone, Dr. Bernard's gesture of compassion and respect to an abused child, was one that spared the young girl the danger and anguish of an underaged, rape-produced pregnancy. Dr. Bernard became a target of a large-scale, coordinated campaign of hate intimidation, and professional harassment, coordinated by Republican officials in her state government in retaliation for her pro-choice speech. What followed was a year-long campaign of harassment and intimidation. Indiana prosecutors eventually dragged her in front of the state's medical licensing board to have her ability to practice medicine revoked. They were unsuccessful, but she was subjected to a stiff fine. In another case in Texas, the sister of a rapist was allowed to sue the rape victim because she aborted the result of the rape. You would think the rape would have been traumatic enough. There have been several cases like this one where a fetus developed without a skull. In a recent case in Louisiana, because it did not endanger the mother's life, she was forced to give birth and watch the newborn gasping for air before it died. And these are the people who claim to be so concerned about our children. In many Republican-controlled states, there is a dangerous race to put more children to work. The U.S. Labor Department says there's been a 69% increase since 2018 in the illegal employment of children. The response in some states is not to protect those children from mistreatment, but instead to make it legal. There's been a push to free businesses from the suffocating grasp of child labor laws. Republican lawmakers in Arkansas, Iowa, Missouri, and Ohio have advanced legislation to make it easier for children as young as 14 to work more hours, work without a permit, and be subjected to more dangerous working conditions. The bills would make it easier for children under 18 to work longer hours, during school days, and in more kinds of dangerous jobs such as construction and at meat packing plants. Some would also allow minors to serve alcohol at restaurants. 
Could you imagine a 14-year-old girl serving liquor to a group of adult men? And why are they passing these exploitive child labor laws? They need the cheap labor because most of these states support restrictive immigration laws. Another reason is children in the U.S. can be paid less than the federal minimum wage for adults. There are other ways to solve this problem. You could raise wages for one, but in addition to making life easier for the Republican capitalist class, freeing businesses to hire underage workers for otherwise adult jobs would undermine organized labor and public education. Two things the conservative movement particularly dislike. Another major factor in the abilities of Republicans to effectively spread their agenda is Fox News. Fox News is not a news outlet. It's a far-right outlet. This television show is a cynical political operation that has conducted a years-long assault on American democracy and civil discourse. The problem with Fox is not that they're biased, it's that they're deceitful. They're not just spinning a version of the news, they actually lie, intentionally, purposefully, regularly. Those lies undermine the faith in our democracy. It is incalculable the damage that Fox News has inflicted on our society, such as the mainstreaming of conspiracy theories that have motivated white supremacists, mass shootings, and a failed coup. It is responsible for industrial-scale deception that fuels the hate many Americans have for one another and fuels the fires of division in our country. It's ironic that one term Fox hosts like to use against liberals is anti-American. What could be more anti-American than a company that cons millions of people into denigrating their democratic institutions? This new American conservative right is Trump's toxic legacy, and it's shaping the future of global politics. The President of the United States has one of the most powerful bully pulpits in the world. While many Americans sound the alarm about the threat that Trumpism poses to the constitutional democracy at home, it's also having a devastating impact abroad. Former President Trump has upended the United States' role in the world. His language has been picked up by a number of leaders in other countries to offer justification of their own questionable actions and to promote like-minded policies. Trumpism is the template for populists worldwide, inspiring the rise of right-wing parties in France, Italy, Germany, and beyond. He's turning mainstream conservatives across the globe into racist and many Trump tyrants. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel has no greater friend in the White House than him. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban was the only European Union leader to endorse him for president in 2016 and 2020. Breaking with decades of U.S. tradition, Trump chose Saudi Arabia as his first international trip as president. In Riyadh, the Saudi royal family lavished Trump and his family with an extravagant ceremony. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has since been reaping the rewards. 
In recent years, inspired by Trump, democracy has been undermined by populist leaders such as Marine Le Pen in France, Giorgia Maloney in Italy, Narendra Modi, India's Prime Minister, and right-wing nationalist governments in Poland and Hungary are fervent admirers. They have subtly and dangerously embraced his appeals to racism and state violence to shore up their support in their own countries. These tactics, when adopted by the world's most powerful country, Trumpism has legitimated these positions and helped to bring them into the political mainstream. And global politics and democracy is the worst for it. As we head into election season, hate-filled rhetoric rises and the outcome is obvious. In the last five years, political violence has skyrocketed on the right. Only the Republican Party celebrates political violence. For Republicans, support for violence is no longer a fringe position or a marginal movement. It is people who see violence as a means to defend their values and extension of their political activity. Donald Trump isn't entirely to blame for this shift, but he has clearly supercharged it with inflammatory language and threats, adding fuel to the fire on a frequent and regular basis. Many people who support violence would never actually commit it themselves. But when you have language that simultaneously depicts people as a threat and less than human becomes common, more aggressive, unbalanced individuals will act. Even if it inspires just a tiny fraction to commit crimes, it can be dangerous given the extraordinary reach of political and extremist messaging across the internet and the millions of people who absorb it. And as we just heard, many are armed with lethal military style weapons. Death threats against members of Congress are 10 times higher than they were just five years ago. Equally damaging to our democracy is that targets now are our local leaders election volunteers, school board members, public health officials, mayors. They are now part of this rolling group of targets whose lives can be ruined by a tweet depending on the latest conspiracy. Local office holders are often paid nearly nothing while being asked to give long hours away from family and to take parts in endless meetings while being harassed by loudmouth kooks. Add in death threats against oneself and one's children and who will be left to tend the everyday administration that democracy needs. Homophobic rhetoric of politicians like Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or all the other right-wing talking heads have for years made gay culture toxic. When you ban saying gay in schools and demonize trans kids and paint queer people as groomers, you end up with hate. And hate can lead to harassment and murder. Wasn't it just a few years ago we legalized and were celebrating gay marriage? This is a warning about how quickly things can turn. If you think the Republican boogeyman matters that we have been discussing are scary, we saved the best for last. This is a very cautionary tale for this country about how quickly things can go away, how quickly our economic prowess can tumble, 
and cultural prominence can fade away. With more than a year to go before the 2024 election, a constellation of conservative organizations is preparing for a possible second White House term for Donald Trump. They are recruiting thousands of Americans to come to Washington on a mission to dismantle the federal government and replace it with a clear vision closer to his own. Led by the long-established Conservative Heritage Foundation think tank and fueled by former Trump administration officials, this far-reaching effort is essentially a government-in-waiting for the former president's second term or any other far-right candidate who aligns with their ideals and can defeat President Joe Biden in 2024. With a nearly 1,000-page Project 2025 handbook and an army of Americans in waiting, the idea is to have a top-to-bottom overhaul and do away with what the Republicans deride as the deep state bureaucracy, in part by firing as many as 50,000 federal workers. Keep in mind that federal employees are not the enemy. Most federal workers are your neighbors, family, and friends. In fact, they provide the administrative muscle that keeps the government up and running and that delivers Americans with the highest standard of living in world history. Not only would this create chaos in the civil service, which would rapidly undermine our democracy, it also demonstrates that conservative American Republicans will stop at nothing to destabilize environmental protection laws and dismantle U.S. climate policy. This effort, which is already happening on a scale that most Americans are unaware of, is so important to the future of not only our democracy, to our civilization, and to life on earth as we know it, we have dedicated our next podcast to the matter. The Republican Party, the most dangerous organization in world history versus life on earth. This land is your land. This land is my land. As we heard, the Republicans are mucking up the future. Voting for Democrats is not enough. This is not something that's going to be solved in a day, in a year, in one election. We've got to strap in for the future. This is a generational fight. We need to show up at the ballot box, but that's the bare minimum. Voting is the least you can do. We must fill the streets or support the people who are. We need to show up every day, everywhere. The planet is burning, as we hear and read about, in terrifying detail every day. We have to make those who make the big decisions, those who run the country, our government, act now and act responsibly. Our government is failing in its duty to protect its citizens. We need real leadership at this time of unprecedented crisis. Your next question should be, where do we begin? First, we must assess our options and prioritize among them. We should work on the highest priority problems and accept that we simply won't be able to do everything. Only solidarity and persistence will get us through. The Green Elephant has designed a comprehensive online encyclopedia of eco-solutions. It's called A Call to Act. 
It's a well-organized, thoughtfully laid out resource of hundreds of climate groups to join and eco actions you can take today. It's packed with people and organizations doing something. This is your grand opportunity to join them in our literal fight with fire and water to save the entirety of the creation on earth. There's a link in the show notes. Was made for you and me. This land is your land.